A reading from the book of Samuel. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. My son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli and the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, Here I am. Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the Lord of Samuel came to all Israel. The reading of the word. I begin our time this morning of proclamation with a monologue. This monologue comes from the perspective of the boy Samuel 
as he lies there in the night, he's deciding what he's going to do the next day, for he has heard from the Lord and doesn't know what or how to tell Eli. I stand here on these steps because these are the steps we traditionally have the children's moment on. So as you listen, approach this with a childlike heart as we enter into the words of Samuel together. What was that? I thought I heard something. It is drearily dark in here. The oil lamp is the only light in the temple that gives us enough light to see what is here with us. Oh, I hope it wasn't the Lord again. That God has done some pretty scary things to me in my life. Because of him, my mother abandoned me here at the temple. I understand that she wanted to dedicate me to the service of God, but I miss her so much. She brings me little clothes to wear when she comes to visit me. I don't know why God likes that I'm separated from her. Maybe I will wake up from this bad dream and realize that it didn't happen. Oh, it's no dream. Even though I'm little, I know that I'm not dreaming. I can't shake it off. I'm going to have to tell Eli in the morning. No, I can't tell Eli. He's going to be devastated. He has dedicated so much time to God, and now his family is going to be punished by God. When he finds out that the God he has dedicated his life to is out to punish his family, he's going to flip. I'm sure this punishment will be much worse than time out, too. Oh, this isn't going to be good. Wait. What happens if Eli does not believe me and thinks that I'm making things up? He's going to be so mad at me. I love Eli. He's been like a father to me. What will he do to me for punishment? Oh, I don't want to have to clean all of those oil lamps again, like I did that time when I tried to blow out a lamp at the Little Shepherd slingshot. Why couldn't the Lord have come to me to tell me a bedtime story instead? But I have to tell Eli. If the Lord tells me to do something, then I should obey. But if my friend told me to go jump off a roof, then that answer is don't obey. So what makes it different with God if the command is still going to hurt someone? Oh, Eli, I wish I could ask you what to do right now. What's that? That light coming in over there. Is it already dawn? Have I been laying here all night? What am I going to do? It's almost time for the chores of the day and for Eli to rise. Oh, Mama, why did you leave me here? Oh, Lord, why did you choose to give me such a message? Why did you bring such a harsh punishment on Eli's house? He's a good man who serves you. Couldn't you have chosen someone older and more mature to give this message? But you did save my mom from being barren. It brought her great joy. So maybe you can't be so bad. You know, maybe, maybe God thinks I am older and more mature. Some of the great leaders of our people have been pretty unusual and have had to do some pretty hard things. 
Maybe I too will be a good leader someday. Yeah, that'd be cool. Ugh, I've got to get up now. Why can't I have five more minutes? I've decided I won't tell Eli, unless, of course, he threatens me with my life or something. Would you pray with me? Oh God, may the words that proceed from my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you this day, our rock and our redeemer. And God, as we navigate difficult callings, we pray that we may find some words of wisdom from the calling of Samuel this day so that we too can follow in your footsteps. Amen. So in our lectionary text for today, we have encountered yet another tale of someone who does not know the Lord before becoming a leading figure in the story of faith. Samuel receives the call before he knows God, the text tells us. And aside from all the questions of how he can't know God when he lives and works in the temple, what we can ask and what we should ask is why this God chooses a young, underexperienced boy to serve as a prophet. What is it about this Old Testament God that keeps doing that? The story that we have for today before us is a story about a boy with a calling. And it's about a God who faithfully remains and molds a people in extraordinary ways. It's easy to take our story today down the route of interpretation that reads the text like a job search. Eli is at the end of his time, not just because he is aging, but also because the Lord soon plans to bring destruction on his household, mostly because of what his two unruly sons have done. So then God must find new leadership to take over his service in the temple. His two sons were priests also, but they don't seem to be great candidates because they're going to be destroyed soon too. So who's next that might be a logical candidate? The boy Samuel? This interpretation makes God sound a little desperate here, doesn't it? So there is a second route of interpretation, which is the more traditional route to take, and it reads the text as a call narrative. Samuel's mother dedicates him to the service of the Lord at birth because he answers her prayers to bear a child. Therefore, God is working in the life of Samuel even before he knows the Lord. And now in this text, we can begin to see the footprints of God's presence in his life. Seems that Samuel cannot escape the formation of the Lord. I have to say that that latter interpretation, the one of the call narrative, fits better with my understanding of God, so I tend to adopt that reading of the text. But I could see where both are at play here. I must admit, though, that what's probably more truthful is that I find more comfort in that second interpretation as a call narrative. It's more comforting to know that God's plans for us are carefully crafted than it is to believe that God sees us as another resume to fill the positions of ministry that this world requires. 
The Samuel, though, in our monologue, did not find even this interpretation as satisfactory. Samuel did not have the choice to live in the temple and be dedicated to the service of the Lord. He didn't even know what the Lord would require of him once he listened that night. Perhaps God did have a bedtime story for him. But this story was one of destruction. It was a call for him to go and tell his mentor what would become of him. This God gifts him, if you will, with a difficult call. And then he wrestles with pursuing it. Because as we heard earlier, he lay in bed until morning and was afraid to tell Eli. Eli even has to call out to him and threaten him with his life to get God's revelation out of him. What do we do when we receive a calling from God that is difficult or maybe hurtful to others? If we read the characters in this story as real people and not the idealized, pious figures that we paint them to be, Samuel's words certainly could have been hurtful to Eli because those were his sons and that was his Israel that he cared so much for. Samuel's calling was wrought with fear, maybe fearful of Eli's downfall, and maybe also fearful somewhat if someone could have accused him of spreading fake news. His calling was ripe with uncertainty as well, not knowing what this God might have in store for him, and given this debut prophecy, who knows what might happen. We too might find ourselves with a charge from God that may raise fear and uncertainty. We may be asked to walk with friends through tough times, through journeys of medical diagnoses, bouts of depression and or forms of abuse. We may be asked to stand up in our jobs, our families, or social circles. We may be urged to listen to our enemies and care for those who persecute us. We may not know where our money will come from or even if community support will encourage us through our endeavors. We don't know how someone will take the news of our words and or whether they will perceive them as true or not. All we know is that we are called and we, we feel compelled to follow that call to its fruition. Like young Samuel, many times our fears come about because of our anticipation of the reactions that we'll get from our efforts. We may have rationalized the possible responses in our minds, but we can't expect the hearer to have the same depth of reflection in an instant. Therefore, the reaction is somewhat wild. We don't know what to expect them to do, so it induces anxiety. It reminds me of a short, pithy story from an unknown source about expectations of others' reactions. Two explorers were off on a jungle safari when suddenly a ferocious lion jumps in front of them. Keep calm, the first explorer whispered. Remember what we read in the book on wild animals. 
if you stand perfectly still and look at the lion in the eye, he will turn and run. Sure, replied his companion, you've read the book, and I've read the book, but has the lion read the book? (laughs) Samuel has heard the word from God. The man of God that appears with the exact same prophecy the chapter before has heard the word from God, but has Eli heard the word from God? Will Samuel be devoured by Eli's wrath and be kicked out of the temple? Where would he go and how would his mother feel since she had dedicated him to that space? Sometimes our rationalizations take us to frightening places. So then you can imagine why Samuel was timid in the morning. He did not want to tell Eli, though Eli got it out of him. What might have helped Samuel in carrying through this first difficult assignment was the coaxing of Eli, of helping him to get it out of him. But what I think helped Samuel to continue with his prophecy is seeing how it turned out, seeing the results and the fact that Eli was receptive to the word after all. He knew what would befall him, Eli did, because, as I said, another man had already come to him with the same prophecy, and he believed in God. And so Eli responds words of comfort, almost, back to Samuel, saying, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. We are not told that Eli laughed and thought it a hoax, although those words could be read in that way. We are not told that Eli shuns and isolates Samuel for this news. Instead, this portion of the story ends with God not letting Samuel's words falter as he grows. Though he was uncertain, Samuel finds that God does make things happen, including the destruction of Eli's family, though. But God's presence is there working with him as he goes along. When either my husband or I find ourselves in a slump characterized by a period of rejection or bad news, we have a phrase that we like to say to one another. Sometimes we'll say, I just need a win. Just a small breakthrough or glimmer of light that reminds us that we can do it, that God is with us, and that we are extraordinarily blessed. And when those moments don't come, which they usually don't, it's then good for us to look back to the memory of a time when they do. Those times when God has called and has set into motion for us, that God has provided and we have been able to utilize, that God has felt present and we offered our presence back doesn't mean that God's going to work in the same way twice, but it does renew our hope to continue along our day-to-day ministry. One of the best spiritual practices, in my opinion, is remembering and reflecting. The monologue suggested that Samuel looked back to what the Lord had done for his mother to help him be born. 
Whether or not that's really what went through his mind at that time or not, we can look back 2020 hindsight and see that God was at work in his life even before conception. We too can look back and reflect over the days and years of when God has acted boldly in our lives. Sometimes we forget those things, and in turn, it clouds our interactions and attitudes about the present. But to keep our memory sharp of those things, we must pay better attention in the moment. Author Samuel Johnson, who composed the English Dictionary in the, ninth, excuse me, the 18th century, said, The true art of memory is the art of attention. Attentiveness is a spiritual practice for each of us as well. Moses found the God of the Hebrews when he attended to the burning bush that others may have turned aside from. Paying attention to the presence of God in our midst, in nature, in relationships, in talents and characters, and even in graces, creates a more memorable memory that can be drawn on when we just need a win. Samuel was attentive. Though we do not know how audible the words of God were, Samuel does respond to them. He attended to the Lord when he called out to them. God came again to Samuel at Shiloh, and Samuel recognized it, and I suppose he filed it away also. The Old Testament is full of other characters who encounter God in these ways, and those can be added to our own memory banks as well. For the same, for the God that brought those characters through difficult callings, Even the calling to wander through the wilderness is the same God that finds a way into our lives and sustains us in all paths that God has for us. When we remember what God has done for us and others, and we remember that that same God attends to us, we can walk in the callings that God has for us, even if they may be challenging. Now, I must say that I, like many of you, find it impossible to believe that God would call us into disease and illness, abusive relationships, etc., etc. But the amount of testimonies that I hear that begin with the question, you want me to do what, God? Or, I told God no, and here I am. Those are numerous What kind of calling story might you or a friend find yourself in that are proving to be difficult? Do you hear God calling, or have you brushed it off as someone else? Samuel lay in bed until morning with anxieties abounding for what might have happened to the calling that he had received. It's present, too, for many in this room, I suppose. In those instances, I urge you then to practice the spiritual practice of remembering. There is no guarantee that God will work twice in the same way. But those memories remind us that God works and will continue to work until the work is done. And then 
God begins a new and beautiful work in the same way under his care. Amen.